adventure. As I mentioned in our last episode, magic is a big part of life in Galarian and Pathfinder in general. As such, it can be derived from a number of sources. For the first edition of Pathfinder, there will be more on second edition later, I promise. There are three types of magic, arcane, divine, and occult. Each of these types are slightly different, yet generate similar results. Now, arcane magic is what most people think of when they think of magic. A wizard with a big floppy hat, using a wand, and reciting gibberish. In Pathfinder, this is magic that is derived from mystical study or inherent magic that is passed on through a family line. In our group, Nimbliana is an arcane spellcaster. Other classes that use arcane magic are wizards, sorcerers, magus, and of course, arcanists. These spells generally have more dramatic results compared to divine and occult spells. Divine magic, on the other hand, is provided by very powerful beings, oftentimes deities. Willacoya and Zornia are divine spellcasters. Now, in general, divine spells provide more healing and protection and less destruction than arcane spells. Oftentimes, these spells will require that a character present a symbol of their deity to call forth the power, often called a divine focus. As divine magic is provided by another being, it is possible for a creature to lose favor with that being and lose the ability to cast those spells. Then there's occult magic. Occult magic is the most unique of the three types. In our game, currently, we have no players that currently use this type of magic. However, that might change as the game goes on. Occult magic is derived from the power of the mind and spirit. Classes like the psychic, mesmerist, and spiritualist all use this type of magic. Occult spells generally focus on impacting the mind or spirit of a target. Also, where arcane and divine magic would require words of power or specific gestures, the same spells from an occult standpoint would require specific emotion or thought to cross through a caster's mind. Now before we get to the episode today, I just want to remind everyone that we would love to hear from you. We want to hear about your games. We want to hear your comments on our show. We even want to see your interpretation of our characters. Basically, we want to get to know our audience. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on our website. We want to know our audience so that we can make our show better. Do you like what we're doing? Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen. We want to make this fun for you. After all, this is what this game is for. Now, without further ado, on to episode 19, Zornia. Time for a change. As mist turns to rain, a gentle pitter-patter begins emanating from the roof. A young girl jumps out of bed and runs to the single entryway of the house, her midnight black hair flowing behind her. Mom? Dad? May I go play by the water? Yes, dear. But remember what your father told you last night. The girl hears her mother reply from the kitchen. I know, Mom. No more than six paces onto the beach during this storm, the little girl says as she rolls her eyes. And I'll remember my rain cloak, she adds before her mother can bring it up. Without another word, the girl throws her rain cloak on over her shoulders 
and with a joyful little giggle, she runs out of the house. Um, she makes her way down to the beach and watches the waves as they crash against the shore. From atop the sandy dune separating her house from the beach, she gazes with wonder, admiring the sight of a stormy sea. Before heading down the dune, she whispers to herself, Remember, six paces for safety. With the storm now a downpour, she makes her way onto the beach and begins walking up and down the sandy shore. She occasionally bends down to pick up a shell or other interesting object washed ashore by the waves. A few hours of this pass, uh, and the girl's pockets are getting quite full. So, what does the girl do? Um, at this point in time, the little girl is going to start making her way back to her house. Um, but she's going to keep an eye out for any other objects, just in case. And far down the shoreline, she sees a glint. Something shiny coming from the beach. Despite the heavy downpour that it is, um, the little girl's going to run over to the item and kneel down to pick it up. Um, what does she see and feel? In her hands, she sees a flat gray rock that's perfectly smoothed by the ocean um, with pristinely rounded edges. There's no reason that this rock should be shining. Thinking it's odd, but in a good way, she puts it in her pocket and then she stands up. Within the sound of the downpour, the girl hears a sudden building of tension and roiling water. The little girl looks up. What does she see? There's a large wave that is heading straight toward her. The little girl starts running away as fast as she can, um, counting her steps as she does. Eight, she mutters to herself, and she feels her heart sink. She realizes she's nowhere near the edge of the shore. She tries to shout, Help! But it's cut short as the wave crashes down on her. After only seconds, which to the little girl probably felt like minutes, her head broke the surface of the water. She had only seconds to take another breath before another wave broke over her head and brought her under the surface again. This wave take her, took her straight down to the bottom, where her small body struck a boulder and she blacked out. Four years have passed at this point since that storm. We move from Triella down along the coast to Almas. We continue moving further in to an old structure, very large on the, on the shoreline, and zoom into one of the windows to see an aged lady standing at a pulpit in front of many young students. Off in one corner, we see our black-haired girl alone in her thoughts. Zornia Starkend. Hmm? Do I bore you? Please, come show us your talents by demonstrating your dancing lights. I'm sure you'll astound us all. Zornia will stand and make her way towards the front of the class, uh, dreading what's about to happen. You said dancing lights? Mm-hmm. Zornia will face the entire classroom standing in front of the pulpit with the professor at her back. She'll recite the words for dancing lights and make the hand gestures both perfectly, but nothing happens. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
can't even do a dancing light. And her father's a wizard. Oh my. <laughs> well, that was a nice cantrip, wasn't it, class? I guess it's true that not all students are capable of doing these spells. You see, I was fooled by your classmates, Sornia. They were all able to do it. So I just assumed you would be able to also. Class, this is a wonderful example of why we are not to assume. Clearly, not all of you can be successful. At that moment, the bell at the, at the edge of town tolls through the windows of the academy, signaling the end of uh, this Friday's lesson. With that, Zornia will quickly move back to her desk, gather up her things, and make her way out into the hallway, um, fighting against the throngs of students as they make their way out, as she makes her way to the library. Gosh, she's such a freak. Ignoring any additional comments from her classmates, she moves down to the library, waves a greeting to the librarian as she makes her way to the history section and hunts down the next book on her list. Um, she grabs it and she makes her way home to her uncle's house. When she gets there, she walks in and sees him standing there. Good afternoon, Uncle Raja. Afternoon, Zornia. I hope uh, class wasn't a bore today. Well, you, you know, Uncle, that I already learned all the stuff that I'm being forced to retake right now. Your brother, my dad, he taught me everything he knew before he sent me here to live with you. It's years beyond what they're trying to teach me now. They just make me take it again and again because I can't cast the spells. I'll be up in my room reading. It's all a bore to me anyway. You have fun with your books, I'll be down here. You know where to find me. Zornia will walk, make her way upstairs to her bedroom, lay the, retrieve the book from her bag, lay it on her desk, um, get comfortable in the seat, and just begin reading over the pages of the text. Uh, as you're reading, you can hear your uncle pick up his, his hammer and start pounding on the hot iron. In your mind, likely forming a blade truer than the truest steel that you have ever seen. Zornia will think to herself, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll go take up the same spot I've been watching him for weeks. If he doesn't notice me, tomorrow, I will ask him to teach me. Um, she'll keep reading for another couple hours until there's nothing left of the candle as she reads deep into the night. Once the candle dies out, she'll climb in bed. You wake up to the sound of a, to a rooster crowing, and in your window pours uh, fresh light. You know that a new day has dawned, and no school today. That fills you with all kinds of joy. Refreshed that it's a new day, Zornia will climb out of bed, get ready, dress in clothes that she feels would be appropriate, for blacksmithing work and she'll make her way back downstairs and then out around to the back of the house where the forge is and just furtively peek around the corner to watch her uncle. This is nothing new to Rajah. Zornia has been perching outside the forge for the last few weeks and uh, it hasn't gone unnoticed. He sees her peeking around the corner and calls out, Zornia, 
Nice to see you this morning. I was uh, wondering when you'd be down. Why don't you come over and take a look at what I got here? Working on some hot steel today. You ever tried it? No, Uncle, I haven't. I'll, I'll be right there. Zornia will walk in and take a look at what he's working on. Uh, you look down, and true to your thought from last night, you see a long sword starting to take shape. It's got a point at the end, and he's starting to own down the, the edges of the sword. There's not a lot of elegance to it yet, but you know that it's only a matter of time. Uncle, I've been watching you for weeks, so I have an idea of what to do. Um, do, do you mind if I just jump in and keep working on this one? I, I don't see why not. I uh, could always use an apprentice. My last one aged out several years ago, and uh, this work is starting to get tiring for me. Tell me what you, uh, what you think this is going to be. Well, Uncle, it, it looks like it's going to be a, a longsword. Um, I'm not familiar with the materials yet, but it looks like it's just regular steel. Am I right? Yep, yep I work mostly in steel. It is my bread and butter. This is going to be for one of the guardsmen down the, down the road here. Yeah, he's new to the guard and uh, needs the appropriate wear. And as you know, the guards men around here are more than just strength. They're about look as well. So uh, I'll be by your side. I can help you through this, but uh, I'm not going to let you do this one on your own. Uh, that's understandable. Zornia will reach for the hammer in her uncle's hands. He puts it in her hand with a smile on his face and begins to talk her through how to t uh, properly heat the metal and, and quench it to temper the strength of the, of the blade and how to pound out a fine edge that is great for cutting but even better for appearances. When the blade itself finishes or nears completion, um, Zornia will ask her uncle, is there going to be any sort of inscription or embellishment on the hilt by any chance? I haven't uh, discussed that with the guardsmen yet. Oftentimes they like to put their, their family crest uh, at the base of the blade. We'll discuss that with him later once I show him what we have done so far. I'd love to try that workout too. If that would be okay with you. Oh, so you're into the detail work, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, a little bit clumsy at it and a little bit slow, so if you want it, I definitely could use the help. For all you've done for me these last four years, it's not a problem at all, Uncle. Uh, the two of them continue to talk throughout the day as the blade continues to take shape. Their bond grows ever closer. Another five years pass. And we're still in Almas. It's uh, the night of Zornia's 15th birthday. And we see her there, laying in bed, starting to fall asleep. All of a sudden, she sits bolt upright, clenching her chest. Ah! What? What is this? Ah! Zornia looks around. Does she see anything in her room? Uh, in the inky black, inky darkness... She can't really see much of anything, but there is a 
weight settling down over her. Um, she'll throw the sheets off her and quickly check herself over for any visible signs of injury. Does she see anything? Doesn't seem to be anything noticeable. Um, seeing no clear cause of anything and feeling better, but kind of weird. Maybe she's just tired, so Zornia will just lay back down, settle down, and go to sleep for the night. She quickly nods off, perhaps owing to her general fatigue, and wakes up several hours later as the sun shines into her bedroom once again. As Zornia wakes up, she'll get ready like any other day and make her way down to have breakfast with her uncle. She makes her way downstairs, and her uncle says to her, Good morning, Zornia. And a second later, she hears, Good morning, Zornia. Good morning, uncle. But in her head, she's kind of like, That was weird. What just happened there? She lets it slide, thinking that uh, she's more tired than she had thought, and sits down for breakfast with her uncle before getting ready to head to the academy for the, for the morning. As Zornia finishes up breakfast, she helps clear the table, wash the dishes, and then she gets ready for school, grabs her backpack and light cloak, and makes her way. Um, does she see anything in particular on her way to school? But she usually tries to keep an eye out for interesting sights. Uh, she's walking through the streets. <clears throat> she sees uh, up ahead a couple kids playing kicking around a rock or something like that, and one of them falls down in the middle of the street. Zornia makes a move to go help them and notices that the same boy falls again in the same manner. That's Zornia's clearly thinking that this is really weird, like deja vu, what, what's going on? But she runs over to the boy and sees, sees, checks to see if he's okay. Thank you. I, I don't know what made me fall, but I guess I'll, I'll be a little bit more careful. Yeah, you should always be careful when you play near roads. Hey, bye. Bye. Zornia will keep going towards the school. Uh, she makes it uh, without any further incidences and uh, heads in to her first class. As the day goes on, Zornia's going to keep seeing if for some reason she has these things of deja vu, these occurrences of deja vu. Does she see any noticeable things? During the day. Yeah, throughout the day, whenever there seems to be a sudden outburst or sudden change in something, she seems to see it twice in succession. Papers fluttering off of desks and then fluttering off of desks again before they're retrieved, and people calling out to their friends, and then before there's a response, calling out again. All around her, things seem to be happening happening again and again. This definitely strikes Zornia as very peculiar, and she starts trying to pay more attention to these, um, specifically like the interval between the first occurrence and the second occurrence. Like, Is there any clear, defined time between them that she can notice? It's it's always very short, a matter of seconds, if that. Very odd. Um, just over the course of the day, she keeps paying attention to this. Um, 
but towards the end of the school day, she's gonna see if there's any way that she can somehow use that time difference to somehow intercede in an event or change something, even if it's the most minute of things. Like, if the papers fall, maybe she catches one of them the second time through instead of them all falling. Like, is that something that she can try? Uh, she's walking through the hall between, on her way to one of her classes. She notices that the student in front of her ha uh, has an item fall out of his bag. And very quickly afterwards, it falls out of his bag again. And Zornia go goes and tries to grab it. Uh, and she is able to grab it before it would hit the ground, even though normally she wouldn't have the reflex to do that. This is so, so weird. Like, I'm somehow seeing different things in time. She's saying to the student, like, uh, this fell out of your bag. And she hands it to the student. <laughs> Thanks, weirdo. Thinking nothing of that because she's just so wrapped up in like whatever's going on. She just keeps thinking about it all and trying to process it. And it makes her way to the next class. Uh, she goes through the rest of her day taking advantage here and there of these brief little glimpses that she's seeing of what she's thinking is a little bit of a foretelling of events. As she's in one of her classes, they're going over different light-based uh, incantations. During this last class of the day, um, everyone's divided into groups or single study. Um, and as the class knows, Zornia can't cast spells. They never group up with her, so she's always off in, her, in a corner by herself. Today, for some reason, she just gets this inspiration to change the last word of the incantation for the light spell. So like, she's just sitting at her desk, and she says the words with that last word changed, makes any hand gestures needed, and she casts it upon her quill. Much to her surprise, it works. She quickly dispels it out of surprise. Like, she's just so surprised that she doesn't believe it. She, like, quickly makes her way up to the professor. Yes, Zornia? Um, professor, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Is it possible at all that the, the light spell would work um, if you changed in any way the last word? spoken <laughs> oh my dear zornia have you learned nothing of course that won't work had you paid more attention in class perhaps you would know this um can i can i show you something well go ahead zornia will repeat what she did back at her desk only this time she will reach out and touch the professor's robe and they begin shining <gasps> that, Zornia, is no arcane magic. That looks to be divine magic. I'm afraid I cannot help you. Well, thanks. Um, she dispels it so the robe stops glowing. Can you point me in the direction of someone who might be able to help? I, I've never done this until today. I would suggest 
A member of the priesthoods, perhaps. Thank you, Professor. And with that, Zarnir will make her way back to the her desk, gather her things, and um, just go out and start wandering the streets because she's just... This is all so new to her. Like, she keeps seeing these almost deja vu-like things. It's She's able to occasionally influence what happens. She cast a spell. She just doesn't know what to do, and she's going to spend the rest of the day just wandering around in thought, and, like, she's never really been particularly faithful in the sense of worshipping any specific gods. She's kind of paid a little patronage to, like, Torag and any other gods relating to creation and smithing, just due to the work she does with her uncle. And a little bit to Nethys, just because he's so magic-oriented, but never actual prayer. So she doesn't know why she'd have these seeming gifts. Another year passes, and we see Zornia hurrying uh, through town towards the docks. Uh, along her, along the way, um, she does see a throng of people gathered around a public message board as the docks uh, come into view. Curious about what all these people are doing at the message board, which is usually pretty empty in this location. Um, she'll make her way over and kind of, if need be, weave and maybe push people out of the way so she can see what it is they're looking at. As she makes her way to the front, she sees front and center on the board an announcement saying, the Bountiful Venture Company is looking for you. Goes into detail on an exploration that they're putting together to start a new colony on the newly found island of Ankarada in the Islanti Sea. Zornia's heart kind of skips a beat as she reads Aslanti Sea. She's been pouring through tomes of history, looking for the tiniest bit of knowledge about Aslanti history. Ever since she was a little girl, even before the event that got her sent here to Almas, um, her parents had been teaching her about magic and about history and sharing these seemingly outlandish stories about Aslanti and it, they just captivated her and ever since she's always tried to learn whatever she can she's thinking to herself like ever since that time when I got swept away by the waves I've been afraid of the ocean but now I feel drawn towards it 